Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting his kingdom. Our service times are Sunday at 9 a.m., followed by a second service at 1045 a.m. Today's message is Thankful for Fleas. Here's Pastor Philip Thomas. As they're taking the the offering uh, here in just a moment, I'm going to ask Mike uh, to come up. And um, um, Mike had a, an interesting week. Um, well, for sure, an interesting Wednesday. And, uh, and we talked about this, and he just wants to share something from that. And, and it definitely fits into being thankful. <laughs> um, and uh, Mike was in a pretty severe car wreck. Um, and, uh, but he obviously uh, has walk, walked away from it. And uh, the, the person that, that was uh, also hit uh, was also was fine. So everything is, is good, um, but Mike just wanted to share a little bit about something that he found out after the fact, and, uh, and so I, I definitely want to, he he's, he's a, a little, uh, was a little woozy and, and a, a little sore, but uh, I just want to give him a chance to, to share, so turn that. There you go. Well, I am thankful this morning to be looking at you guys from a vertical perspective and not you looking at me at a horizontal perspective. <clears throat> um, so it turns out last Sunday night, Molly asked me if I'd been feeling anything. <clears throat> last Sunday night, I started having a really bad headache. Didn't really think anything about it. Just thought I was getting sick. We have grandkids, and if you know grandkids, kids, I mean, getting sick pretty frequently. And uh, so Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, started just getting really bad headache. Didn't think anything about it. <clears throat> And it turns out I ended up having, took him two or three days to kind of figure out what was going on. But by Friday, they said it was a hypertensive event or something. Anyway, they're not really sure what started my blood pressure skyrocketing. But by Wednesday, my brain decided to hit the reset button. Unfortunately, I was driving down 290 when that happened. And uh, so I ended up, uh, as I described to Don after it happened, it was like... uh, suddenly being injected into somebody else's body, unfortunately, when they were about 30 feet away from having a really bad night. And uh, I uh, remember I left work, uh, remember crossing the overpass at 183 and 290, remember driving through through Maynard, I remember driving through the light at FM 973 and 290, and that's basically the last thing I remember until the light right there in front of aviators. And uh, so uh, somehow God was taking care of somebody who was, whether I wasn't conscious or not lucid, I don't know. But for that 10-mile period there, I really didn't know what was going on. And then uh, that light was stopped. Uh, all people were stopping. They were breaking. This was at... Uh, 6.59 at night, in case you didn't know these things, auto-dial if you have a wreck, which was kind of interesting. It called 911 and wouldn't let me turn it off, which somebody was smart enough to figure out that when you're not really with it, you might try to turn it off, and it doesn't need to be turned off if you had a wreck and you're calling 911. Um, so uh, had no idea how fast I was going. You know, the officer said he, you know, if, he had to, if he had to guess, probably 80 miles an hour, and just slammed into the back of a poor guy who was stopped there at the light thinking that he was fixing to go home. And thankfully, as Philip said, he wasn't hurt. And uh, 
I uh, had a cut on my arm and uh, um, really, really bad whiplash. My neck and back were understandably pretty sore. Um, but God took care of him, took care of me. He declined treatment at the scene. He didn't need any help at all. Wasn't even sore, he said. This was, uh, both of our cars were totaled. Um, so that's what happened. But here's the backstory. Here's here's what I'm sharing this morning. So the thought occurred to me in the middle of the night, night before last. I thought, well, if I was driving unaware for 10 miles, I wonder if I was doing something else stupid, like calling people or, and I started having this panic of me having called, I built homes, and I thought, was I calling customers and sounding drunk or drug affected or something? I mean, seriously, I started getting really concerned about that thought. So I... Yesterday afternoon, I started going through my phone to figure out, okay, do I remember this call? Yeah, I remember that one. Do I remember this call? Yeah, I remember that. And uh, so thankfully, I didn't call anybody and lose any contracts or anything like that. But um, I did. So then I started going through my text. And uh, the last text that I got, which as it turns out, was about a minute before I was going to lose consciousness, and about 10 or 11 minutes before the wreck, was a, wreck, was a text from... Uh, a guy that I work with who also knows the Lord, and he had gone to a Shane and Shane concert Monday or Tuesday or whenever that was, and he asked me after the concert, hey, do you know these guys? I said, oh, yeah, they're like, like him. Never seen him in concert, but I like him. And he said, well, they have a new album out. And then he was kind enough to gift it to him. He sent me a text, and there was a gift of that new album that they have out called Psalms. And in the album, they uh, they don't, you know, the words are just straight from the Psalms. They just wrote music for it. And uh, so the last text that I got was uh, Psalm, he texted me, and uh, he said, Psalm 91, track 7, an old hymn, but still so dang good. So I thought, well, that sounds good. You know, I'll, I'll go ahead and pull that up and put it kind of on a loop and just kind of soak in that psalm on the way home. Just kind of let it, you know, soothe my soul at the end of a very long week. Uh, my stepdad had passed away not too long ago, and just got back last weekend from leading his memorial service, which was good and sad. My mom's here this morning. And uh, it, at that event, my wife fell in the shower and broke a rib, punctured her lung, collapsed it partially last a week ago Saturday. So we've had a really hard week. <laughs> and uh, so I thought, yeah, let's soak in Psalm 91. Little did I know... A, a minute later, I'd be unconscious. And so this is literally the soundtrack that was playing while I'm driving down 290 unconscious, being guided by the hand of God. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High <clears throat> will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my, shel- and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare. And from the deadly pestilence, he will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand might fall at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. 
No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. shared that with me this morning and and thank you for your willingness to share that with us um, why aren't we thankful <laughs> I mean you know that's just one little example of of how much we have to be thankful for God is working in the world around us in ways that we don't always see and in ways that don't always make sense but he is always there. And it is amazing how difficult of a time we have to just step back and to truly be thankful for that. That's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to hear another story about being thankful. Um, Because you know what? It it changes. (laughs) Being thankful changes your perspective on life. We live in a world right now where people are frustrated. They're unhappy. Like there's a lot of studies and things like that that have been done recently that just talk about the depression has gone up, that people are unhappy, that people are searching for purpose, like they're struggling to find meaning. All of this stuff is happening. And yet we live in a world where people are living longer, people have more wealth, and people are safer People are healthier than they ever have been before. Now, sometimes we may not see that because we're hearing other things, but by any statistical measure, that is true, right? But yet, people are struggling uh, to, to find purpose, to find meaning, to find hope. And I think one of the big reasons, I mean, there's lots of factors, but one of the reasons is we struggle with being thankful. And I think, first off, we need to understand that that is that that is normal, all right? That's part of our, our humanness is that we're ungrateful, right? I can remember every year we would go to Christmas at my dad's parents in Midland. And, uh, and that started, that, that actually became a really large gathering. Uh, there were four, four kids and then they all started having kids, you know, and, and, uh, and we would talk about things as we were going up there. And, uh, and, and it really got bad whenever we started having more kids because used to, I was one of the oldest, I guess I was the second grandkid so I'd get lots of presents right and then more kids came around and we started drawing for names well that's that killed Christmas right when you draw for names because you know you're only going to get one gift right and and then but uh but as we would go up there all the time my my parents uh, I remember them saying okay whatever you get it doesn't matter and it doesn't matter if you got it already if you have one you say thank you 
and you respond and you be excited about what you got, no matter what it is, right? Now, that's a little hypocritical, right? Because sometimes you're going to open something and you go, you know, I have 14 of these at home. And so as a kid, your first reaction to that is, are you kidding me? Really? You couldn't get me something different? Right? That's kind of our natural reaction. So as a parent, they were teaching us early on. And at, at one point, you kind of think about as a kid, I'm thinking about, you know, that, well, what do you mean? I'm, are you telling me not to be honest? Right? We can dissect that, and, 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 a, and psychologists would sure dissect that. But you know what? They were, they were teaching us something. They were teaching me to be grateful and to be thankful. And yes, there were times I opened that present and I looked at it and I was like, eh, this isn't the greatest thing. But I was still, I recognized, you know, it's not about the gift. It's about the person who went through the trouble of getting you that gift. And I can be thankful for that no matter what the gift is. So it was actually teaching a better lesson about being thankful. But what was interesting about it is sometimes you have to force yourself to be thankful even when your emotions are saying, no, I'm not thankful for that. Sometimes you have to force it to change that perspective. We have to learn those things. Because, and I think a lot of times people were content to just kind of live as children and with children emotions. And so people go around not being thankful Right, and, uh, and, and that's why we see all the stuff with adults and, and just struggling. And, uh, and, you know, we've even, and this is a silly example, but I think it's kind of interesting. I went in last week to Walmart, and I was going to get some Thanksgiving little decorations and plates or something. And, by the way, I, I don't really know where to look, so I could be, you know, uh, making a, 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 an issue of this. But I go, I couldn't find anything on Thanksgiving. I can find plenty on Christmas. Their aisles were filled for Christmas. But it's nearly, we've even as a society nearly skipped over Thanksgiving. And, that, and, and we don't need to just freak out about that. That's a small thing. But I think it is symptomatic, right? It, it, it kind of like, well, let's just go to Christmas because Christmas is all about, I mean, it's been very commercialized, right? It's about buying. It's do, 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 do. You know, I, I've seen a lot more talk about Black Friday than I have about Thanksgiving, right? And that's to be expected. That's, that's the, the world. But all of that starts permeating us. And if we're not careful, we forget, hey, I need to be thankful. <laughs> I need to be, choose to be thankful. And it is a choice. Uh, I want to read a passage. It's one of my favorites. It's in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, uh, verses 12 through 24. And, uh, and this is just a, a great passage. And, and as we read it, um, I want you to... To, to think about this in terms of uh, comparing it to how kind of the world views things, kind of the secular viewpoint of things. And maybe we'll start to feel, figure out why so many people are dissatisfied and struggling. Right? So in uh, verse 12, it says, Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. All right, so I want, to, I want us to think about this, comparing it again to kind of the secular way of doing things. You know, it starts off talking about respecting those in authority, right? Man, we, we've gotten to a place where we don't do that. Even, even as adults, we, you know, we always use the example of, of kids in school, right? That, oh, kids just don't respect their teachers the way that they used to. And they don't. And they may never have really respected. They were just scared not to, right? I don't know. You know, we can debate that. But it's funny, that's the, that's the example we use is uh, with children. That's the same thing for adults. Let's be honest. You know, a lot of times the only time we respect our boss is because he may be able to fire us, right? You know, I, I struggle with this right now. I think this in, in a broad sense that we should respect, like even our leaders, right? And man, they, they do a lot of things that they should, that do not deserve respect. Right? And so it doesn't mean that you just excuse everything. But at some point, do we have to at least acknowledge, hey, we need to treat them with respect? Yeah, I think it, I think it does. And, and look at how we don't, right? Each side, politically right now, is encouraged to treat the other side with disrespect. Is that bringing happiness to anybody? Does anyone feel fulfilled because of that? Eh, probably not. Is anything really changing? No. I think most people would say things are getting worse. So maybe maybe we should pay attention to this a little bit more. It goes on and talks about a lot of different things. It says, be patient with everyone. Make sure no one pays back wrong for wrong. Man, I think we're getting into a place where that we're, we kind of seek that out, right? Because we all get wronged on a regular basis, right? And it's very easy for us to say, hey, I need, I'm going to make that right myself. We're starting to take kind of the mob mentality. Now, I, I love the mob and the mafia, stuff like that. It's fascinating, right? And, uh, and they have, so crazy, but, uh, but they are really tight-knit. And if you're within that group and someone wrongs that group, they're going to get even, right? And we see how that doesn't really help much because it just creates a cycle of violence, right? And then we get to the wonderful passage that says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, when it says this is God's will for you, so often our mind immediately thinks what that's talking about. Okay, here's the list of rules that you need to follow. This is God's will and you follow this. No, this is God wanting you to have a full life, a life where you experience uh, hope and joy and contentment, a life where you have purpose and meaning, right? That's the kind of life that God wants for you. That's the will that he has for you. And the way that we do that is by choosing to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Now, let's be real honest. If we did this, if we truly took those words seriously, then there are so many 
structures and institutions that we have created that would just collapse. Think of our political system right now. If we actually, if you had a, a candidate that starts running in 2020 and they say, okay, I'm not going to say one negative thing about the, my opponent. I'm going to rejoice in what we have. So they start talking about all the things that are going well, right? And then they say, but we're, and we're going to be giving thanks. Now, we know that there are some, some issues. We're going to be working for those. But they never go low. They never start attacking the other person, right? We all would say, oh, yes, that would be great. You know how many votes that person would get? Two. Unless he had a bigger family, he may get a few more, right? It, unfortunately, it wouldn't work. Right? I mean, this proves itself out in election after election. Right? And unfortunately. Right? You know, our institution, our news service, right? Our 24-hour news, newspapers, things like that. If we actually were people who chose to rejoice uh, and to give thanks in all circumstances, and if the news, news kind of took those principles, you know how long they'd be in business? A week. It's really unfortunate. There's so many studies. It's like over 80% of the news that we consume is negative. And listen, we can blame the media. That's easy to do. But guess who clicks on the, the articles? And, and this has been shown. You can have an article from the same website, one that has a really feel-good story, and then one that has some ridiculous headline. Guess which one gets uh, clicked on? The ridiculous headline. All the time. So we, we, we just kind of, we don't, uh, we don't look for it. We don't seek it out, right? And we allow this negativity, and that's the world we live in. Man, I can't, won't even go into our economic system. If we were, like, truly um, thankful and rejoiced about things, our economic system would collapse, right? Our whole economic system is based on the fact that you need more and you're not satisfied with what you have, right? And now... Before we all just go crawl into a hole somewhere, I want to say that's, that's okay. That's part of the world, right? That, that's fine. You know, our political system is what it is. Our new system is what it is. Our economic system is what it is. But you need to realize you are in, you are in an, uh, a world that is pulling you away from being thankful and, and is making it extremely difficult. And so you have to continually choose to be thankful. And... And the reason that it's so important for us to do that is because we are never going to experience the fullness of life that God intended if we don't choose to do that. And God is not going to be able to work through us as effectively as he could if, if we were thankful. God can use a group of people who are rejoicing always, praying continually, and giving thanks in all circumstances in much greater ways than he can people who are frustrated about everything, who are negative and are cursing always, right? It's a whole different way of God being able to impact the world around us. I want to show a video, and we have some newer faces that have come within, within the last year. Some of you have heard this before. It, it's a little bit long, so I uh, apologize for that. Well, no, I don't because it's really good. But uh, it, it's, uh, it's, um, this is an excerpt from a book called The Hiding Place. Um, written by Corey Ten Boom. She was in a uh, Nazi concentration camp. Uh, she was there with her sister, Betsy. You'll hear those two, two names quite a bit. 
Um, and, and she's writing about her experience there. And this one about being thankful is, is truly amazing because I've talked with people that say, you know, I, I know I'm supposed to be thankful, but, man, you don't know what my finances look like. You don't know what my family situations. You know, I've, I've been in a, in a wreck and all this, like all those things, right? We can focus on all that and we say, oh, it's really hard to be thankful. And you know what it is? And I'm not minimizing any, any of that, and God doesn't minimize any of that. But you know what? You can still choose to be thankful no matter what your circumstances are. So let's watch this video. The move to permanent quarters came the second week in October. We were marched, ten abreast, along a wide cinder avenue, and then into a narrow street of barracks. Several times the column halted while numbers were read out. Names were never used at Ravensbrück. At last, Betsy's and mine were called. Prisoner 66729, prisoner 66730. We stepped out of line with a dozen or so others and stared at the long gray front of Barracks 28. Half its windows seemed to have been broken and replaced with rags. A door in the center led us into a large room where 200 or more women bent over knitting needles. On tables between them were piles of woolen socks in army gray. On either side, doors opened into two still larger rooms, by far the largest dormitories we had yet seen. Betsy and I followed a prisoner guide through the door at the right. Because of the broken windows, the vast room was in semi-twilight. Our noses told us, first, that the place was filthy. Somewhere plumbing had backed up. The bedding was soiled and rancid. Then, as our eyes adjusted to the gloom, we saw that there were no individual beds at all, but great square piers stacked three high and wedged side by side and end to end with only an occasional narrow aisle slicing through. We followed our guide, single file, the aisle was not wide enough for two, fighting back the claustrophobia of these platforms rising everywhere above us. The tremendous room was nearly empty of people. They must have been out on various work crews. At last, she pointed to a second tier in the center of a large block. To reach it, we had to stand on the bottom level, haul ourselves up, and then crawl across three other straw-covered platforms to reach the one that we would share with... How many? The deck above us was too close to let us sit up. We lay back struggling against the nausea that swept over us from the reeking straw. We could hear the women who had arrived with us finding their places. Suddenly, I sat up, striking my head on the cross slats above. Something had pinched my leg. Fleas, I cried. Betsy, the place is swarming with them. We scrambled across the intervening platforms, heads low to avoid another bump, dropped down to the aisle, and edged our way to a patch of light. Here, and here another one, I wailed. Betsy, how can we live in such a place? Show us. Show us how. It was said so matter-of-factly, it took me a second to realize she was praying. More and more, the distinction between prayer and the rest of life seemed to be vanishing for Betsy. Corey, she said excitedly, 
He's given us the answer before we asked, as he always does. In the Bible this morning, where was it? Read that part again. I glanced down the long, dim aisle to make sure no guard was in sight, then drew the Bible from its pouch. It was in First Thessalonians, I said. We were on our third complete reading of the New Testament since leaving Schwenningen. In the feeble light, I turned the pages. Here it is. Comfort the frightened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. It seemed written expressly to Robin's book. Go on, said Betsy, that wasn't all. Oh, yes, to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's it, Corey. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. We can start right now to thank God for every single thing about this new barracks. I stared at her. Then around me at the dark, foul-aired room. Such as, I said, such as being assigned here together? I bit my lip. Oh, yes, Lord Jesus. Such as what you're holding in your hands? I looked down at the Bible. Yes, thank you, dear Lord, that there was no inspection when we entered here. Thank you for all the women here in this room who will meet you in these pages. Yes, said Betsy. Thank you for the very crowding here since we're packed so close that many more will hear. She looked at me expectantly. Corey, she prodded. Oh, all right. Thank you for the jammed, crammed, stuffed, packed, suffocating crowds. Thank you, Betsy went on serenely, for the fleas and for... The fleas? This was too much. Betsy, there's no way even God can make me grateful for a flea. Give thanks in all circumstances, she quoted. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are part of this place where God has put us. And so we stood between piers of bunks and gave thanks for fleas. But this time, I was sure Betsy was wrong. Back at the barracks, we formed yet another line. Would there never be an end to columns and weights? to receive our ladle of turnip soup in the center room. Then, as quickly as we could for the press of people, Betsy and I made our way to the rear of the dormitory room, where we held our worship service. Around our own platform area, there was not enough light to read the Bible, but back here, a small light bulb cast a wan yellow circle on the wall, and here, an ever-larger group of women gathered. They were services like no others, these times in Barracks 28. A single meeting might include a recital of the Magnificat in Latin by a group of Roman Catholics, a whispered hymn by some Lutherans, and a sotto voce chant by Eastern Orthodox women. With each moment, the crowd around us would swell, packing the nearby platforms, hanging over the edges until the high structures groaned and swayed. At last, either Betsy or I would open the Bible. 
because only the Hollanders could understand the Dutch text, we would translate aloud in German. And then we would hear the life-giving words passed back along the aisles in French, Polish, Russian, Czech, back into Dutch. They were little previews of heaven, these evenings beneath the light bulb. I would think of Harlem, each substantial church set behind its wrought iron fence and its barrier of doctrine. And I would know again that in darkness, God's truth shines most clear. At first, Betsy and I called these meetings with great timidity. But as night after night went by, and no guard ever came near us, we grew bolder. So many now wanted to join us that we held a second service after evening roll call. There, on the Lagerstrasse, we were under rigid surveillance, guards in their warm wool capes marching constantly up and down. It was the same in the center room of the barracks, half a dozen guards or camp police always present. Yet in the large dormitory room, there was almost no supervision at all. We did not understand it. One evening, I got back to the barracks late from a wood-gathering foray outside the walls. A light snow lay on the ground, and it was hard to find the sticks and twigs with which a small stove was kept going in each room. Betsy was waiting for me, as always, so that we could wait through the food line together. Her eyes were twinkling. You're looking extraordinarily pleased with yourself, I told her. You know, we've never understood why we had so much freedom in the big room, she said. Well, I've found out. That afternoon, she said, there'd been confusion in her knitting group about sock sizes, and they'd asked the supervisor to come and settle it. But she wouldn't. She wouldn't step through the door, and neither would the guards. And you know why? Betsy could not keep the triumph from her voice. Because of the fleas. That's what she said. That place is crawling with fleas. My mind rushed back to our first hour in this place. I remembered Betsy's bowed head, remembered her thanks to God for creatures I could see no use for. What are the fleas in your life? We all have the fleas, right? (laughs) And sometimes it's just so easy not to be thankful. In fact, we're encouraged not to be thankful for anything that causes discomfort, (laughs) right? But yet look what God did through them just having the willingness to say, God, we're going to thank you for the fleas. And you know what? They knew that that was a silly thing, right? They knew that that didn't make any sense, but they were to the point and they were surrounded by such darkness that they were like, you know what? We're actually going to take serious what God said. So we're going to be thankful for everything and look at what God did for them. God's light pierces the darkest places. And I don't know what you're going through. I know all of us go through difficult times. And when we're going through those difficult times, it becomes really hard to be thankful. But when we choose to do it anyway, it may not change the circumstance, 
They were still in a Nazi concentration camp. And guess what? Betsy doesn't make it out of the concentration camp. The circumstance did not change. But that doesn't mean that the light didn't overcome that darkness. And it was because they were willing to be thankful. That's where it started. Be thankful for the fleas in your life. Choose to be thankful even when it's hard. And allow God not only to change you, but then to start changing people around you because you've chosen to be thankful. Let's go to him in prayer. Dear God, I thank you. I thank you for these stories that we've heard today. Real life stories. <laughs> one 80 years ago, one three days ago, of how you continue to enter into the lives of your people. And you continue to bring light into darkness. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to be thankful in all circumstances. That we will be willing to be thankful for the fleas in our life and that you will give us the eyes to see when you use those things to change the world. Lord, give us the discipline and the courage to be thankful in all circumstances so that we can start seeing the world as you see it. In Jesus' name we ask. Thank you for listening to Journey Elgin. Come check us out. We're located at 1221 North Avenue C, Elgin, Texas 78621. You can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org or call us at 512-661-8411. That's 512-661-8411. We hope to see you soon and may God bless you.